Orwell had it right. What we can learn from a pig. Let's read some Orwell. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics, and I've decided to do something a little bit different today. Today, I I was going to actually try and trick people. I was going to read this speech from George Orwell's Animal Farm, and I was going to say it was one of AOC's speeches, or any speech from the left. It doesn't make any difference who it's coming from. And then I was going to say, oh, by the way, this was from George Orwell's Animal Farm, and it was the introduction speech that started the entire totalitarian government of Animal Farm. Uh, But I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this. So one of the things I want to do here is I want to show you that I can actually read out loud, and I want you to see the brilliance of George Orwell. Because this guy called this garbage back in 1946. Uh, Animal Farm was written in 1946. And it was in response to the Soviet Union. This book and 1984, which George Orwell also wrote, were banned in Europe for a time simply because... Orwell sat back and and really peed on the totalitarian government of the Soviet Union. And because the Soviets were actually an Axis ally, these countries didn't want him to do that. Now, mind you, this was before the gulags. No, it wasn't, actually. It was in the middle of the gulag. (coughs) It was in the middle of the gulags. So... This is a very important book. I think Animal Farm, by far, is far better than 1984. I think 1984 is post-tyranny, whereas Animal Farm is the creation of tyranny. And I think it's an important speech. I read this book again, and it's about the fourth time I've read the book, and I it, it really had an impact on me. And I just want you to... And the reason I really like Animal Farm, one, kids understand it. It's very easily written. Two, it's about animals, and kids love animals. And three, it's only 96 pages, so it's actually a very quick read. And it's the book that I recommend. A lot of people say 1984, read 1984. No, don't read 1984. Animal Farm is the recognition that tyranny is trying to take place. So, what I'm going to read is the first, from the first chapter, and it's about a pig named, named, uh, uh, what's the pig's name? Major. It's about a pig named Major. And he makes a speech. Now, Major is an old pig. He's 84, he's 12 years old. Um, he's going to die soon. He knows he's going to die soon. But he sees problems with the world within the farm. And basically, it's it's a farm. And farmers do what farmers do. 
and it the whole chapter starts basically with this speech. So you really don't know about the the farmers or the Jones family, right? And one of the reasons I decided to do this is because I I wanted to watch the movie, and the movie completely twisted it. This is not what Orwell said. None of this stuff that they showed in the movie was what Orwell said. And I, I got kind of excited about it because you had some lefties in the movie that were doing the voiceovers. And, but the reality is the movie was like, huh? No, that's not what the movie said. So I've decided I'm going to read Old Major Speech. And then in certain spots, I'm going to sit back, stop, and we'll talk about some of this stuff. And I, the reason I didn't try and fake you out is because I was going to edit words. Okay, I was going to edit words, but I couldn't edit words. I want you to think of an Antifa speech. I want you to think of a Black Lives Matter speech. I want you to think of an AOC speech or a um, Ilhan Omar speech. Think of these speeches when people talk. Or Bernie Sanders, here's another one. Because they say the same thing. And I'm not going to cut out, I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want you to listen to the wording. And I think what's really important here, when I read, I actually read out loud to myself. I do that for two reasons. One, I do three reasons. One, I practice my reading. I think it's important to know how to read out loud. Two, it slows me down and I actually hear the words. And three, inflection becomes very important. And so I, I sit back and, and when I inflect, I understand more. There is, for example, visual learning. There's also audible learning from a book. This is why people don't like to read books is because this these books, some books, you actually have to create things in your head. And this book, you need to be able to do that. Even though it's a really easy book to read, it's it's not a fun book. It's not it doesn't end happily. Obviously. But it is a book that you really have to almost audibly see to understand. So I I've always wanted to do this, so I'm gonna do it now. And if I left something out, please do me a favor. And by the way, Orwell was an extreme anti-communist. But this was written in 1946. And I think what's important here is not what he says. Well, it's what he says. But it's what's really important here is that these speeches sound really familiar today. I also want to point out something that this book is, which I had to read in grammar school, I had to read in high school, I read again in college, and then I read again on myself. This book is now banned. 
I think that's a big deal. So hopefully I encourage you to read this book. And it's not the entire first chapter and the entire, obviously the chapter is not very long with a 96 page book. But it is something that is really life-changing. And if you start to apply what you read from people of the past, you'll begin to see that it's already applying to people today. So let's start up. Here we go. Just remember, this is literature. I'm not making any of this up. This is from George Orwell's Animal Farm. Old Major's first speech, and last, actually. He died right after. So here we go. Quote, All the animals are now present except Moses, the tame raven, who slept on the perch behind the back door. When Major saw that they had made themselves comfortable and were waiting attentively, he cleared his throat and began. Now remember, this is literally the first few lines of the book. So, if you don't know who the characters are, that's fine. Let's go. Major says, Comrades, you have already heard, you have heard already about the strange dream that I had last night, but I will come to the dream later. I have something else to say. I do not think, comrades, that I shall be with you for many months longer. And before I die, I feel it is my duty to pass on to you such wisdom as I've acquired. I have had a long life. I have had much time for thought as I lay alone in my stall. And I think I may say that I understand the nature of life on this earth as well as any animal now living. It is about this that I wish to speak to you. Now, this is me. A couple of things. One, this is an important paragraph because he's talking about the perfect. He's talking about utopia. He's talking about a dream. Dreams of utopia, dreams of the perfect life, they don't exist. So this is a really important area. We also must remember that these are animals that he's talking to, okay, in a farm. So go with that. Imagine, and one of the hardest parts I had was trying to imagine animals and humans and things like that, but that's what this is about here. It's not major is talking to the animals of the farm. It's Bernie Sanders talking to his followers. So... Let's continue on. Now, comrades, what is the nature of the life of ours? Let us face it. Our lives are miserable, laborious, and short. We are born, we are given just so much food as will keep our breath in our bodies. And those of us who are capable of it are forced to work to the last atom of our strength. And the very instant that our usefulness has come to an end, we are slaughtered with hideous cruelty. No animals in England know no animal in England knows the meaning of happiness or leisure after his after he is a year old. No animal in England is free. 
The life of an animal is misery and slavery. That is the plain truth. Couple of things about this paragraph. One, extremely exaggerated. The animals' lives are not laborious, they're not short, and they're not miserable. They're actually being fed, they're actually being protected. So this was not true. And you're hearing this from Major, who's a 12-year-old pig and probably has cancer or something because pigs don't live that long. They are not worked to the last atom of their strength. And they're not slaughtered with hideous cruelty. Some are, some aren't. But that happens in our society. Uh, England, they make a comment about this being in England. Yes, it's in England, but move this to the United States because the reality is that's what's happening in the United States. And no animal is free. He lives in misery and slavery. This is an extreme exaggeration. They don't live in misery and slavery, and they don't know what it means to be have the freedom that Major is trying to point to because they've always been farm animals. Now, the Joneses, who are actually running the uh, farm, are actually very kind people. They worry about their people. They worry about their animals. They protect their animals. But here's the thing. I want this last sentence to stick out. The life of an animal is misery and slavery, which we've talked of. That's probably, that's definitely exaggerated. But it's the colon. That is the plain truth. When someone has to tell you that what they're saying is just truth, common knowledge truth, you need to question whether or not that individual is telling the truth. Because if it's the truth, I don't need to convince you it's the truth. And that's what he did. Let's continue. But it is simply part of an order of nature. But is it simply part of an order of nature? Is it because this land of ours is so poor that it cannot afford the descent, uh, afford a decent life to those who dwell upon it? No, comrades, a thousand times no. The soil of England is fertile. Its climate is good. Okay, the climate thing, probably AOC would disagree. It is capable of affording food in abundance to an enormously greater number of animals than than inhabit it. The single farm of ours would support a dozen horses, 20 cows, hundreds of sheep and all of them living in comfort and dignity that are now almost beyond our imagining. Why then do we continue in this miserable condition? Because nearly the whole of the produce of our labor is stolen from us by human beings. These comrades, the their comrades, is the answer to all our problems. It is summed up in a single word. Man. Man is the only real enemy we have. Remove man from the scene, the root cause of our hunger and overwork is abolished forever. This, again, is absolutely fantastic. And this is what you should hear in the speeches of the left. So, why can't they live a decent life? They are living a decent life. 
The soil of England is fertile. The climate is good. What they're basically saying is we've got all the money in the world. You hear AOC all the, say this all the time. Let's spend $92 trillion on the, clean, on the Green New Deal. We've got it. We're America. And then they keep saying we can support everybody. We can have 20 more cows. We can have a dozen more horses, hundreds of more sheep. Does that sound familiar? Open the borders. The United States can handle it. The pro And then finally, because nearly the whole produce of our labor is stolen by human beings. Stolen? That, you hear that all the time. It's about the profit of the profits taken by corporations are not given to people. That's not the thing, not given to workers. That's not a thing. Because those profits are not used so they, they can listen. They can sit by our problems. They can sit by themselves. Those profits are actually reinvested. I'm sorry, I didn't, don't know if that made sense. The point of this paragraph is that man, which AOC would call corporations, are evil. They are exploiting the worker. Not that the worker is getting something. But the best way to deal with it is remove the corporations. Does this all sound a little bit familiar? Let's continue. Quote, Man is the only creature that consumes without producing. He does not give milk. He does not lay eggs. He is too weak to pull the plow. He cannot run fast enough to catch the rabbits. Yet he is lord of all the animals. He sets them to work. He gives them the bare minimum that will prevent them from starving. The rest he keeps for himself. Our labor tills the soil. Our dung fertilizes it. And yet there is n not one of us that owns more than his bare skin. You cows that I have seen before, how many thousands of gallons of milk have you given during the last year? And what happened to that milk which should have been a uh, should have been breeding sturdy calves. Every drop of it has gone down the throats of our enemies. And you hens, how many eggs have you laid last year? And how many of those eggs ever hatched into chickens? The rest have gone to the market to bring money for Jones and his men. And you, Clover, he's a horse, where have you? Where ha are the, those four foals you bore who would should have been the support and the pleasure of your old age. Each was sold at a year old. You will never see one of them again in return for your confinements and all your labor in the fields. What have you had except for bare rations and stall? Great. The reality is a lot of this paragraph is fluff. Man is the only creature that consumes without producing. That's not true. That's the lie. That's the great lie. Man gives the food that produces the milk. Man gives the food that produces the eggs. Man gives the food that pulls the plow. Corporations give you the opportunity to actually 
produce. This wasn't an accident by Orwell. He did this on purpose. And everyone forgets that, okay, in this case, Jones, yeah, he's not laying eggs. Yeah, he's not pulling plows. But Jones gives them what they need. Food, shelter, protection. We're going to get to protection at the end of this. But this is what they forget. And they just don't appreciate what they are actually getting. Because what would happen if they didn't have Jones? They probably wouldn't be alive. Let's continue. And even the miserable lives we lead are not allowed to reach their natural span. For myself, I do not grumble, for I am one of the lucky ones. I'm 12 years old and have 400 children. He's a pig. Such is the natural life of a pig. But no animal escapes the cruel knife in the end. The young porkers who are sitting in front of me, every one of you will scream your lives out at the block within the year. To the horror we must all come. Cows, pigs, hens, sheep, everyone. Even the horses and the dogs have no better fate. You, boxer, the very day that those great muscles of yours, he's a dog, lose their power. Jones will sell you to a knacker who will cut your throat and bowl you down for the foxhounds. As for the dogs, when they grow old and toothless, Jones ties a brick around their neck and drowns them in the nearest pond. Now, this is interesting because this is an assumption. Okay. First off, you've got two animals that have lived their entire lives. You've got Major, who is of old age, and you've got the horse, who is... I can't remember the horse's name. But you've got the horse, who is old. And so it's basically he's playing on fear at this point. Because there's no evidence that anything he said is actually what happens. And you'll find none of that ever happens. Now, yes, you got chickens get killed so they can eat. Cows get killed so we can eat. Things like that. But he's making an assumption. So let's continue. Is Is it not crystal clear then, comrades, that all the evils of this life of our spring from the tyranny of human beings? Only get rid of man, and the produce of our labor would be our own. Almost overnight we could become rich and free. What then must we do? Why work Why, work night and day, body and soul, for overthrow of the human race? That is my message to you, comrades. Rebellion. I do not know when the rebellion will come. It might be in a week, might be in a hundred years. But I know, as surely as I see the straw beneath my feet, that sooner or later, justice, I emphasize that, will be done. Fix your eyes on that, comrades, throughout the short remainder of your lives. And above all, pass on this message of mine to those who come after you, so the future generations can carry on the struggle until it's victorious. 
Wow. Does that not strike you as something? So we had the 60s. And the 60s basically passed on to the, the generation, gen, uh, the hippies of the baby boomers passed on to the Gen Xers, the Gen Xers passed on to the Gen Yers, the Gen Yers passed on to the millennials, the millennials passed on to whatever the generation is now. What he's basically saying is this is a long-range plan. This may not be something that can happen right away, but it is a long-range plan. And we must train our youth to actually be ready for the revolution. Let's go move on. And remember, comrades, our solution must never falter. No argument must lead you astray. Never listen when they tell you that man and animals have common interests. That prosperity of the one is the prosperity of the others. It is all lies. Man serves the interests of no creature except himself, and among us animals, let there be perfect unity, perfect comradeship in the struggle. All men are enemies. All animals are comrades. Um, that is the basic definition of collectivism right there. And this wasn't an accident. This is a pure Marxist philosophy. And it, uh, Orwell knew about Marxism for decades. But this is the Marxist philosophy. Us and them. Enemies. This is why I believe there will be a civil war in the United States. Because the, mar the left has gotten so far out there. There is just absolutely no way we're going to find common ground. And that's exactly what this statement actually professes. I mean, listen to this section, rewind it about two minutes, and listen to it again. Or better yet, buy the book and read the book. That is probably the most important paragraph in the entire novel. And that paragraph says what's happening today. So... Let's go on. Now, Major, stop talking. So, right now, it's just going to be a little silence. At this moment, there was a tremendous roar. The, while Major was speaking for... Oh, I want to go back. What this also is, is cancel culture. The last paragraph was cancel culture. Don't listen. Don't talk. Don't reason. Don't allow reasonable argument. Again, that's happening now. I'm sorry I didn't even see that. I'm not writing this down. I'm just going on cold here. But here we go. Uh, at this moment, there was a tremendous uproar. While Major was speaking, four large rats had crept out of their holes and were sitting on their hindquarters listening to him. The dogs had suddenly caught sight of them, and it was only a, by a swift dash uh, for their holes that the rats saved their lives. Major raised his trotter. I think this is an important one, an important line, because there's nature. In other words, when you talk about communism and socialism and capitalism, there's still human nature. 
And that's an important paragraph because there is nature, there is animal nature too, that people are going to do what they do because that's what they do. Human beings, this is why Marxism doesn't work, is because it assumes that human beings are going to be perfect. They're not. That's why utopia fails, because there is no perfect human nature. This is another reason why utopia, and, and, and that means utopia can't fail, because the leadership of utopia, people need to be led. And when people need to be led, there need to be later leaders. The problem is the people needing to be led are fallible. And the people who are leading are fallible. You cannot have a utopia when you have fallible. You have fallibility. It's just not going to work. Not going to work. Okay, let's move on. Comrades, Major says. Here is the point we that must be settled. The wild creatures, such as the rats and the rabbits, are they our friends or our enemies? Let us put it to a vote. I propose this question to the meeting. Are rats comrades? They vote at once. The vote is taken at once. And it is agreed by an overwhelming majority that rats are comrades. There are only four dissidents three dogs and the cat, who was afterwards discovered to have voted on both sides. Oops. That lets out a little thing about voting, yeah? Major continued, I have little more to say. I merely repeat. Remember always your duty of amenity towards man and all his ways. Whatever goes upon two legs is an enemy. Whatever goes upon four legs or has wings is a friend. And remember also that in fighting against man, we must not come to resemble him. Even when you have conquered him, do not adopt his vices. No animal must ever live in a house or sleep in a bed or wear clothes or drink alcohol or smoke tobacco or touch money or engage in trade. All the habits of man are evil, and above all, no animals ever tyrannize over his own kind. Weak or strong, clever or simple, we are all brothers. No animal must ever kill another animal. All animals are equal. Does that sound familiar? We're all equal. Until leadership says they're not equal. We shouldn't live in big houses or anything until those big AOC sits there and sits and tells you how she feels for the little man until you find out she's making $170,000 and living in an apartment in Washington, D.C. for $3,000 a month. I mean, why isn't AOC living in the sticks in Washington, D.C.? She's not. AOC also was from, I think it's Westchester in New York. She wasn't from the Bronx. It's all lies. It's all lies. Because the reality is, guess what happens in the book? The pigs sleep in a house. The 
the pigs sleep in a bed, the pigs wear clothes, the pigs drink alcohol, the pigs smoke tobacco, they have money, they engage in trade. That's what happens when you talk about communism. Communism is great until leadership is uncomfortable. Finally, the last sentence, and we'll let it go, last paragraph. And now, comrades, I will tell you about my dream of last night. I cannot describe that dream to you. It is a dream of the earth as it will be when man has vanished. But it reminded me of something that I had a long forgotten many years ago. When I was a little pig, my mother and other sows used to sing an old song of which they knew only the tune and the first three words. I had known the tune in my infancy, but it had long since passed out of my mind. Last night, however, it came back to me and my dream. And what is more, the words of the song also came back. I am certain which were I am certain which were sung by the animals of long ago and have been lost to the memory of generations. I will sing to you, I will sing you that song now, comrades. I am old and my voice is hoarse, but when I have taught you the tune, you can sing it better for yourselves. It is called The Beasts of England. Okay, I lied. I'm going to sing this song. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to say it. Old Major cleared his throat and began to sing. And he, as he said, his voice was hoarse. But he sang well enough. And it was a stirring tune. Something between Clementine and La Cucaracha. The words ran. I didn't make that up. That's what he said. I did not make any of that stuff up. So here's the song. Um, Beasts of England, beasts of Ireland, beasts of every land and clime, hearken to my joyful tidings of our golden future time. Soon or late the day is coming, tyrant man shall be overthrown, and the fruitful fields of England shall be trod by beasts alone. Rings shall vanish from our noses, and the harness from our back. Bit and spur shall rust forever. Cruel whips no more shall crack. Riches more than mine can picture. Wheat and barley, oats and hay. Clover beans and mangle wurzels shall be ours upon the day. Bring bright will... Sh shine the fields of England, purer shall its waters be, sweeter yet shall blow its breezes on the day that sets us free. For the day we must labor, though we die before it break, cows and horses, geese and turkeys, all must toil for freedom's sake. Beasts of England, beasts of Ireland, beasts of every land and clime, Hearken well and spread my tidings of the golden future time. And then at the end of the chapter, which was literally only three pages, at the end of the chapter, foxes tried to break into the barn and the guy comes out, Jones comes out, shoots at the fox. And they see that shooting as rebellion. 
Does that sound familiar? Police are such bad people, right? That's happening. And yet they don't even realize that Jones was just protecting them. And that's totally forgotten and unappreciated. I just saw the movie. They had a movie. It was an animated movie. And they completely screwed it up. They made the Joneses look like jerk-offs. When the Joneses in the book appeared to be, well, they were just worried about their farm. The Joneses did what the Joneses did to keep the farm alive. But Major and eventually the rest of the animals saw it as injustice. And mind you, the key points of this entire speech ring true today. I think it is an awesome speech, and I can't believe in 1946 he basically wrote an AOC speech. Matter of fact, I think I should listen to AOC's speeches and see what compare, make some comparisons. But I don't know. It's very interesting stuff. Read the book. I swear to God, it's very easy read and it'll take you maybe an hour, two hours to read. You can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>